Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. Hey folks, welcome back. So excited about today because this is actually one of my friends that I have met as part of a a roundtable, like a young entrepreneurs in aging type of thing. And as soon as I heard what he does, I was like, you need to come on our podcast. Awesome. He's, he's absolutely inspiring. Stefano Salorio is the founder and CEO of Caravocacy, which is a learning platform for older adults to learn technology, to stay social connected and learn new skills. I mean, so, so relevant, especially with everything with the pandemic, et cetera. Caravocacy. I know it's so good. He's such a, he's also an avid community builder. He loves to volunteer and mentor young business leaders. So he's kind of the perfect guest for this podcast. Wow. Well, let's bring him on. Like, what are we waiting yeah. for? <laughs> what are we waiting for? All right. Welcome, Stefano. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy to have you on. Thanks for giving us some of your Friday. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited and I'm glad. I'm so honored to be on the 40 podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> we have so many questions that you guys do. So really, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being a listener. We appreciate it. So to kick us off, let's just uh, tell us who you are. Tell us about your business, Caravocacy. It's been amazing. And just give us kind of a general overview. Yeah. So Caravocacy was founded back in 2020, right when the pandemic happened. And I had this idea actually because my family and I are current caregivers to my grandma who's diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so- oh. During my kind of junior, sophomore year of actually really starting around freshman year of college, you know, you start to have these experiences as a caregiver while in school and while working, and you start to think of like, there could be something better, right? And so I started to think about developing something that would initially help have somebody come to our house on demand, almost like uber to do it. And then I had this idea. I pitched it through a competition, through a set of competitions, really. Won that one, pivoted to what we do now, and then launched it right when the pandemic happened in Florida, which is crazy because I was like, you know, no business class prepared me for what was to come. No, yeah. A matter of just shifting priorities and things like that. And so I'm happy to say that what Carboxy is, is a learning platform for older adults where we get to match them with online tech tutors. And, and then we also work with healthcare pairs and providers to do in-person group classes that ultimately helps out their patients so that they can become a little bit more tech savvy and empowered and connected. Wow. And those are kind of the fun things that we do my work. So that's wow. awesome. So tell us like, when did you first know that you had to start a business around this issue? Like, what were the first steps you took? Yeah, you know, I spent about a year before even launching Carboxy or even had the idea, really just kind of looking at the industry as a whole, what aging and longevity was, um, was trying to, like, you know, my background was in marketing. I was still like a, a sophomore junior at the time. So 
honestly, I was looking at a lot of companies in the space and my inspiration ever since then has been Papa and the team of Fernand. I'm sorry, not Fernando, but Andrew Parker from Papa and as well his his co-founder mm-hmm. from them. And I found their company and I actually was trying to work for them first. Like I was like, oh, they're local. They're in Miami. I wanted to see how it works. And then never got the chance to do that. And I haven't had a chance to meet my kind of like inspiration. So when I finally do, I'll probably like freak out. Yeah, exactly. I, because of a lot of things that were happening during those times, especially as a caregiver, college student work, and then especially how technology was evolving at the time or still is, I was like, I don't want to just graduate from school and, you know, do an agency or marketing agency. I wanted to actually do something. And so that's kind of where it came about. Wow. Okay. So let's just, because this is a podcast and people can't see you, but you're very young. Like this is, you're one of our youngest guests, I would say. And so it's really amazing what you've done at such a young age. And so are you, you've graduated school? Are you still in school? I actually did not finish school. That is actually not a, that's actually a secret. Oh, my oh gosh, we outed, we outed you. Tell us about it. I actually, I actually haven't even really public, like, you know, Kayla, like I'm, I'm a very public person when it comes to like, you are. kid and like, where's the TikTok about it? Where's the TikTok about it? I actually, so funny. I have a draft in my TikTok, a video of myself talking about how it feels to be a dropout and like, <laughs> Like, it's not the most happiest video in a sense, because it's like really true of like how I was feeling in the moment of making that decision. And I haven't uploaded it ever since. Oh my gosh. Um, I will always look at it just because I'm like, you know, it's like something to look at. But I am 23 years old. I dropped out in the beginning of this year. So technically I would have graduated either last year or this this semester, this past semester. Wow. Um, and I just made that decision just because a lot of things were coming in the pipeline for Curvocacy and I was like, school wasn't giving it for me. Yeah, the classic entrepreneurial dropout. I mean, you're in good company, so. <laughs> yeah, Stefano. Kaylee doesn't even know. <laughs> That's funny. I actually dropped out as well when I was like 21 to pursue my business and my entrepreneurial endeavor. And then I went back to school and I, I got my bachelor's degree in December of this year, of last year, rather. So there's always time for school. Yeah, yeah. like, that's such a thing. I think I mentally dropped out earlier than this year. <laughs> You're like, I got other shit going out. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Good. Like, and plus, honestly, not that I really hate my school. I just, it wasn't giving me anything that I needed. To- right. You're probably learning so much more. And that's actually a question that we ask our guests is like, what do you feel like the role of higher education plays in your business? And if any, you know, like what has, what has that balance kind of been for you? Yeah, I think it's like, I think especially in entrepreneurs with post-secondary education, it's difficult. I think sometimes the, the like what they're trying to push out to you is based on theory rather than the reality of like what you're going to face as an entrepreneur. And I think that's ultimately something so difficult that post-secondary education can't necessarily get out of. So it's really, it's really difficult for them to do that. That's why. So that's where I'm like, I love school. I don't bash it at all. I just think it's not the environment for me. At least right now. That's totally fair. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And Caitlin, thanks for pulling that out of him <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> we really dive into things here. So funny, you guys. Like, I actually was, there's an article being written about me coming out soon. And that was one of the questions. And so 
I'm like, man, this is kind of like a turning point in the middle of the year or towards the end of the year. So yeah, it'll be like all these little subtle like references, and then eventually, yeah, yeah, build up to it. I don't say that I am because you know it comes with this idea and this perception, and like my value is not because of my education, right? My value is the fact that I'm able to take something from point A to point B. Totally. With the resources that I have, and sometimes people think by because they have that background or the education, it's like that's just the definition of what they can do. And I don't want it to be like the center focus of who I am. So I don't ever mention about that. Like there's just this assumption. But like if they ask like you did, it's like I'll say it. I'm not gonna like yield. To- right. You're not like, hey, I'm Stefana. I'm a college dropout. <laughs> like that's a, like the first thing anyway. Yeah. 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 Makes that's sense. awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing that. So going back into your business, Caravocacy, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about your business model, how you make money, how you find your customers, that sort of thing? Yes, and I apologize if there's a truck that you hear right now. That's okay. <laughs> I'm like, man, out of all the days. So <laughs> what we do is we have a subscription-based model, and what happens is that every $85 a month or $85 a month, the learner, our older adults, basically get three one-hour-long sessions over online. So that's only $85 a month. They get tutored for an hour long, whatever topic they wow. want to learn, the curriculum around that. And then our tech tutors give them a report or some sort of follow-up and accountability for from each session to the next. That's our kind of our subscription model. And then we also work, as I mentioned before, with healthcare payers and providers and senior living to provide our in-person classes. So as of right now, I'm happy to say that we partnered up with Humana, which is a amazing healthcare insurance. Yeah, that's a big one. Subsidiaries, actually, Conviva Care Centers. And we are rolling out 19 locations by the end of this year which will total up to 27 partner locations that we're in that's providing Caravocacy tech classes. Wow. Um, which is Snap. exciting because this, especially as like being my first year as a student that dropped out, right? The fact that we were able to turn that relationship into something within around the six totally. months of just doing that. I think that's kind of crazy and I'm super grateful for it. And I think it's just growing within that Humana network and as well as other providers. So that's where we are. We we charge by the class, we charge by that by the month on the direct to consumer side. Wow. I mean, huge, huge deal. How did this happen? Talk us through this big partnership and how, you know, from from start to finish, like how did that come to fruition? Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it in our group, but it was actually because of a TikTok video that I posted on LinkedIn. <laughs> TikTok coming in hot. Representatives who worked at a regional level saw it and she was like, I love the energy that you put with working with seniors. And she said that it would be a great idea to distribute it to all of their locations. And so because of that video and then our initial meeting where I was able to drive another TikTok video from that, that's where it kind of spiraled to. And I and I say that TikTok did change my life because it kind of like you know, like push the conversation forward. Yeah. Highest followers, whether it be Instagram or TikTok, but it was just because the right timing, the right person saw it, and they'd be able to put it on a platform like LinkedIn um, kind of fostered wow. that conversation. Power wow, of social so right cool. there. Yeah. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs who are kind of thinking about using TikTok? I know there's a lot of like buzz around that platform right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, podcasters are on TikTok, right? 
they love you know that's i think that's a really ideal place to be in what else i was trying to think of some other places i think for business when on tiktok i think it's just showing your personality more than anything that's ultimately like what's the goal of using tiktok and that's what we try to do it's like we don't try to sell stuff on there we try to just show them like the product or the service itself and then that's where the storytelling begins but i think if you're starting to do a tiktok honestly try to just document everything you're doing day by day like even the mundane stuff is like so interesting for somebody else. Yeah. He just like sitting in front of like laptop had like hundreds of views that I'm like, I can't believe like people watch. <laughs> like I love that because you're really making like the process accessible. Yeah. Like people are just like they glorify entrepreneurship and it's like, oh my God, your life must be so exciting. But it's like, what is it really like? And that's what's cool about what you're doing, I think. Yeah, I think it's just you meant I love the word that you said accessible, right? Like when it comes to, like, if we go back to, again, our conversation about education, like, stuff like that isn't always accessible. But TikTok and, and showcasing that to the world and building what you're doing public, yes. that allows it for other people who may not have opportunities, like, going to school and stuff like that. Totally. Accessible. So it's like, I look at it as like that. Like, you know, I think the perks of it is it's free marketing in a sense that yeah. you're not spending money on having to really put it out there. The algorithm and the platform intentionally provides you the opportunity to do that and so you know i've seen so many brands successful on being on tiktok but i think end of the day whether it's tiktok or linkedin it's just like put yourself out there i think that's the i think that's like the barrier that a lot of entrepreneurs face or can't yeah. go over because it may not be tiktok like it may be a blog post or a podcast that's completely fine but like to do it every single day and put it out yourself i think that's the real challenge not necessarily like tiktok or linkedin yeah consistency is hard yeah, yeah for sure so one of your recent videos i remember i saw which was really cool is about how you created your pitch deck for your pitch competition that you won congratulations with spirit i think right yeah talk to us about pitch competitions what do you feel like i know you said that's how you very first started with the idea you pitched it where have those come into play in the journey of starting your business and growing it yeah, uh, you know, as being a non a non venture funded startup or business, my focus was always finding funding through pitch competitions, grants, whether it be family or friends and things like that. So when you know you you don't want to raise millions of dollars and give a little bit of equity to people, you kind of have to be a little bit more scrappy in the sense of like where you're going to get your funding. Right, businesses always cost money to start or even run with in the first place. My approach when it comes to pitch competitions, it's almost like look for the ones where you're like you're eligible to sign up, but like the ones where your own competitors are not there, if that makes sense. Like the most successful ones I've had are been the ones that are not even related to aging or longevity or older adults. Interesting. Because you're like a like, unique thing. Yes. Which is like my little like <laughs> secret thing, which is like true, right? Like why would you compete with your own peers? If they're going to be, it's about like which service now is better. And now when I compete in the recent competition with the Spirit Airlines one, which was the $25,000 challenge, <laughs> which was crazy. Yeah. I just don't think it's really funny how it all happened. But there was no one like what we did we were competing against, right? And so it was a matter of like, yeah. it was a matter of choosing what was a want versus a need for the judges. And it was a want to have that business that business that we were competing against with that was doing very well, it was a want, but 
providing, especially with everybody in that audience, in that room, and who they could relate with, was the need of the fact that senior citizens need to be connected to technology, right? Like everybody has had one way of, of experience, one time of experience of like being asked how to use the iPhone, the TV, the computers. Yeah. So like bring that It's relatable. and focusing on the need is what intent, what really made us win. So I think it's like thinking about that as an entrepreneur, like, you know, figure out like what really is the need rather than what. That's awesome. So you get that 25K, walk us through like what you did with that and entrepreneurs who are like, oh, I don't have 25K. Can you just kind of walk like, I, could, I don't know, just funding a business. I know that was kind of a two-part question, but. <laughs> You're <just> giving me like <laughs> really, really hard there, man. <laughs> We like to keep you on your toes over here. <laughs> You know, the honest truth is we haven't really spent it yet. Um, I think the idea is to really put it back into the experience of our own learners and as well as our tech tutors, especially when we run a very tech enabled service company. It's like, yeah, obviously, you know, you, you put it into marketing, all these other things. But I think at the end of the day, like when our product is our people, it's like you want to figure out things that would make it easier, better. funner people, whether Mm-hmm. it be the ones who are learning or the ones who are teaching, right? And so what that means is that 25K will probably go into little like fun personalized items, right? For our Learner Plus subscribers, like a little bit of like giveaways or things that are like more like things that they could wear or identify Mm-hmm. to the brand. Yeah. Tech tutors, for example, giving them resources like access to memberships or things that would help them be a better teacher or provide them some sort of way to to do that. Uh, we also have, I like it. we're trying to create some sort of like um, transportation, emergency transportation budget for next year because of our in-person classes. So like we don't typically cover the cost of the person that's going to those locations. So for example, in the case of an emergency, we might you know go back to that kind of budget Or that relief where we could kind of give or cover the cost of transportation, for example, drive sharing services, like those things like that. So like I feel Gotcha. like what we're using that money for ultimately is on our people, really. I love it. Customers as well as our, our team. Yeah, it's about the experience. That's great. So talk to us about number one, building your team and how you've been able to do that. And like what kinds of things you look for. And also like throughout your journey, you know, have you been able Like talk us through the process of you being able to sustain your life. Like I know early in the entrepreneurial journey, you're not making any money, right? You're like still in that negative portion and like how you've been able to continue this journey, despite maybe not having another job on the side or something like that. Yeah. In our, you know, in my first or second year, I was like, I have to make sure we make money. <laughs> I would say we did make money in our like first and second year. Nice. We did make money in a sense that I was making most of it, not necessarily like I was hiring people, right? Sure. So because at the end of the day, like what we were providing isn't anything new. It was almost just like a more uh, efficient way to go about it, right? And I exactly, I didn't have a developer, I'm not a technical founder. So I had to build a lot of the stuff myself. That's wow. a lot of money. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, like count those as hours, but basically like we, I made sure from the beginning that we were making money. Like we were trying to, if it was just a hundred a month, that's perfect. Or if it was just, we were just kind of great. Like, Yeah. There. So to your question of like, what was your question again? I almost forgot. No, that's okay. I was asking 
about the team, right? You said the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we look for the team itself, especially when I, I share them about like the struggle of it was in the beginning, right? Like making it just every month. But when it comes to like finding the team that we were, that I am so grateful to be working with, honestly, it was like, we, we go through a set of interviews. It's like the first phone call, then the second phone, second interview is like a video call. And then we basically tell them that we are a remote company, even though we operate in, in certain areas. And then our kind of values, we lay it out for sure in our orientation and everything. But it's almost like what I'm looking for specifically is someone who's very much entrepreneurial and very much a, a self-starter or someone who takes that ownership on what we're doing. And then who's able to also put thoughts in, onto paper. Because since we're a remote company, we actually limit all of our meetings. We don't do any video calls. We don't do anything like that. It's everything's managed through Basecamp, which is a project management platform. And so that means, you know, when you're communicating only through text, you kind of have to really sit down and put those thoughts. Yeah. And trying to find people who can fit with that kind of work culture can be difficult, right? But I am not the type of person that like wants to spend three hours, five hours in a meeting, trying to talk about the same exact thing, even though we know we understood what we needed to do. And so how we communicate is basically how like video games do their patch notes every time they have an update. So mm. send out like a thing to people like, oh, this is what's happening in the past six weeks and what we're looking forward to. So that everybody has a, cool. an expectation of what's happening exactly there. And they can choose to read it or not, but just understand like it's their own responsibility if they don't, right? Like it's, you know, if they don't catch up. And I think it's just say like, you're adults, we're adults, you know, we're, why do I have to be the, on top of you? to make you do your job. I, I will say though, I'm not, I'm not like disregarding like one-on-ones or, or reviews, but it's just that kind of understanding that we're all really productive people and finding that type of person is important. So I would say building a team like that is, is the most fun part about it because we, yeah. we with our interviews, we, we set up questions that are like a little bit more deeper than just what other interviews, interview questions are. That's so cool. Yeah. We ask them about like, something they're kind of fearing for about the job right oh. and not necessarily like what they don't want to do but what they really do fear about the job i like <laughs> and that people have like told us like what their actual fears are and i'm like okay this is getting deeper than i thought you're like spiders <laughs> like, we're not gonna deal with that but um but it's setting up that that understanding from the beginning right I love, I love that. that. Yeah, I think that's so important. So what is it about your management style your or your leadership style that you think made you successful up until this point? Because you're so young and it just seems like you have a different style, which is cool. I've been traumatized by so many bad bosses. So mm-hmm. I would say... <laughs> one way, yeah. That's one way to really improve the workplace, right? <laughs> It's like, I've been, I've had that type of boss before and I don't want to be that type of boss. The best way to learn. Exactly. Yeah. Like, what not to do. What not to do is to not be that person. What was I going to say? <laughs> no, but that's what I tell my team. I'm like, the reason why I'm this way and why we're structured this way, because I don't want to be that type of boss. Right. And now if anybody, my boss has heard this, you'd be like, oh my gosh, like, that's, what are you talking about? But <laughs> Like, was I that one? <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> 
no, but I communicate even to my own bosses at the past of like what they could improve. And then, like, as a 20 year old, I'm like, probably that was like a gen D thing to do at the time. But like, as I would say, like, how did I come up with this leadership style? To be honest with you, it's just because of those horrible experiences. And you start to think about the, like, you start to think about like people as in a sense of like your actions. If that makes sense, like the things yeah. that you do have bigger ramifications than you think they do, and if any leader doesn't understand that or realize that, I think there's something you have to work on. Like even on the simplest, the smallest details, like are so effective, right? And mm. like understanding that and what that means for people, especially when you are in a different position than them and when you're paying them or whatever. It's like having that understanding is important. I think that's ultimately like what I came to conclusion of. And there's this thing where we, in our team where it's like, <clears throat> we're like, I'm very, very transparent, like down to our contract sizes, how much I'm making or they're making, like laying it out on the, on our platform. That's great. Platform. Yeah. yeah. And that's hard to do. I think it's just like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's set from the beginning. Like, what am I going to hide? You know I'm a startup. You know I'm a student. Like, right. like I'm not trying to tell you that I'm the know-it-all <laughs> of all businesses. Like, yeah, exactly. I understand that I'm 23. I just turned 23 this year. Like, I, it doesn't mean like I, you know, I got everything figured out. But what I'm going to do my best is I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking about so that you have an idea. So when something comes up, it's not like because you're surprised and or the boss told you something and they didn't you didn't know what to do in the moment. And that's what people mm-hmm. think, right? like when someone yeah. sprungs it up on, on you and they don't tell you anything. No, there's no excuse, right? Like, yeah, if I tell you everything and then you're not going to be surprised. Yeah, well, it's like and then you get mad at me because I didn't tell you. Well, everybody has responsibility to really yeah. look at that. And so. I think it's just because of that. I read a book by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence. Mm, good one. Freshman year. I practiced this thing called How So. I actually had a podcast that I somewhat run called the How So Podcast, which is a question I asked to people about, like, for example, when I asked you, like, how was your day? And you say it was good. And then my follow-up would be How So. So having that, like, mentality of, like, digging deeper is always something I practiced. I like that. With. Just because, you know, like people can be very surface level when it comes to things. And so sometimes my, my, like my regional manager who is in charge of the locations, he hates it that I pry <laughs> really like, you're like, sorry, I care. Yeah. Like, no, well, I don't, we can see like, sometimes he's a very, like, I, there's no, there's no feeling behind it. It's just like, you know, like when people are just, yeah, just just say, just to say it, but then I, to put it even more like okay why did you say it like that like why did you like mm-hmm. tell me a little bit of like and then when you find out it's something like out of your control and like now you have an understanding of how to approach that right. person and how to handle that so sometimes when people say there's nothing wrong i i kind of laugh internally because there's always something going on it's just probably not the work that's the problem it's just sure it's like outside stuff yeah, yeah. that's fair so kind of shifting gears like how how was this uh how has your culture, like your Fili- Filipino culture, impacted your business, if at all? Has your family been supportive of you taking this path? What What's kind of been that side of things? I think I don't think my parents were too fond with the idea of uh... <laughs> <laughs> classic. <laughs> like trying to hear if they could hear me, but you know, I you know I'm the oldest of three, and sometimes you have to kind of sort of example 
but I never really was like, I never really was like, didn't know what I wanted to do growing up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I always had some sort of idea or every time I did go after something, it kind of went successful and I'm really grateful that it did. Like everything I went for, for extracurricular stuff to anything. And, you know, especially when you come from a culture where you know, it's expected to either go to the medical field or go things that avenue, you kind of have to, you know, you start to think about like, oh, is your future only that? Um, I would say now I continue to prove myself on a daily basis of yeah. progress. I think a conversation continues to change. And, you know, my, my culture isn't necessarily also my, my Filipino background, but it's also really just my community that I'm in. You know, I'm heavily involved in a few nonprofits that, that I used to be part of when I was young, and I still kind of communicate with them about my experience. And so that cool. influences a lot of like who I am as well, too. So growing up in Florida, especially from the, coming from the Philippines, but also growing up with a lot of nonprofits and resources and and people that was just supporting me, that influences a lot of who I am and you know, yeah. their expectation of where I am. And I think that kind of gives me the measure of like what I need to do, what I have to be. But then it also gives me this kind of comfortability of like, okay, I could lead on people like that and I don't have to necessarily like always meet that standard. I can, you know, I can just kind of rest on the fact that I do good work and that intention right. shows through that. And that's mm -hmm. where my community, my culture comes comes in and like celebrates that more than anything else. I love it. That's kind of my answer on that question. I love that. Yeah, great. Uh, what about advice for entrepreneurs just starting out? What would you say your biggest piece of advice would be? Like maybe for those who weren't like you that didn't always know what they wanted to do or don't have a passion necessarily that they know they want to follow. Well, I mean, you know, my my business came out of a personal pain. So <laughs> I feel like it comes out of like nowhere sometimes, right? Like being an entrepreneur comes at a point sometimes where it's like, it may be eternal, it may be in you, but sometimes for others, it's something where they really have hated or did like to experience for a long time. And now that's where they like, they want it to be changed. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't necessarily discount those like ways of how people start, but if you're looking to start and you have no idea yet, I think the best way to go about it and something I've learned in the first years or first two years is like helping other people start their business, right? Like sometimes you think your idea is like the best and you need to be the one to start it, but sometimes it's just helping somebody else start their idea or right. their business. And it's like, that's where you get to start to learn these things. And so I did a lot of that, you know, before I launched Kerbakasi and, and kind of helping other people's businesses. I I still, to this day, I help people, people with their business. That's awesome. I like, like, I have a friend who has a company down and around South Miami Beach area, and I was helping with his platform and trying to figure out what that would be like. And understanding his business could also impact mine. Yeah. And so. Teaching yeah. is the best way to learn. <laughs> yeah. Learning is always the best way to learn, right? Like. Uh, being in it, it's always best way to learn. And then also, second part is just, I think, I think preparing yourself mentally for what it takes to run something, whether it be a nonprofit or for profit, is is so important. 
right? Having some sort of good habits in place is also where you can start. So for example, if you are a caretaker and you can't necessarily meet every day, so set it on a Friday, which does <laughs> on a very- That's such a good sense. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. You're I like, only, I only meet Fridays. I only meet <laughs> Fridays. And I love Fridays because it's like nice. everybody's relaxed. And then, you know, like, so it's like I don't have to bring- drinks to them they're just like it's a friday couch yeah they're 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 already drinking <laughs> yeah exactly exactly every investor and every company i've ever spoken to i make them talk on a friday you know it's actually a strategy that's every time i've done that they go so much better that's why that's that's i mean at first it was initially like a, a thing where i'm like i don't want to do meetings throughout the whole week but then i'm like after doing all of those meetings i'm starting to realize a pattern of like wow people are way more candid on a friday oh my god i'm gonna start I, doing this as yeah. you've been today yeah exactly so that's why i love, I love it. fridays that's why i love fridays but yeah to start to Friday do entrepreneurs it's just to work with other entrepreneurs and then the second part is to set up good at habits because i'm sure everybody here in this room right now or listening as with current entrepreneurs that sometimes habits bad ones are always a detriment over entrepreneur yeah so it's important to set those up yeah agreed so you've already come so far in like just two years since starting your business. So what does the future look like for you? Like, what are you hoping to accomplish in the next five years, the next 10 years? What's your ultimate goal for Carebocacy and beyond? Yeah, my ultimate goal, our ultimate goal, really, because I, you know, everybody's kind of somewhat aligned to the, to the vision on that. It's like, I would love what we do to be covered by your insurance, right? Yes. Um, why, by the way, there's a thunderstorm in Florida right now. Oh my god! Crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> like my background is so bright and sunny, but like literally, there's lightning right in front of me. But um, <laughs> what does it say? So I would love for what we do to be to be paid by your insurance, by Humana, by uh, by United Health, by any of these companies through their Medicare Advantage plans. And I'm very specific to say that because. I'm not the first one to ever thought of this idea. There's other companies or startups who are thinking about this mm -hmm. way too. I'm saying this because for for everything that MA plants cover the cost of dental, pills, groceries, even sometimes pest control, why isn't tech education not on that list, right? Like why isn't education on something where they could continuously be more social and active and engaged with their loved ones, with their doctors that create some sort of digital literacy? Why isn't that not part of the thing they cover the cost of? Yeah. And so that's the challenge in the next five years or so. And I'm so grateful that we have a partnership is with relation to, to Humana that is yeah. run by Humana. So it's like continually proving the concept every day. And that's where we're focused on right now. So yeah, um, you're on your way. About the numbers for you, but I think for someone who understands insurance and the numbers and millions of members on those, I'm sure everybody can imagine like the impact, the financial impact that would create. But mm -hmm. right now, it's just at a micro level. It's just proving a concept. It's one learner at a time, one tech tutor at a time, and and seeing how it goes. Love, Love it. That inspirational. Great. Yeah. This has been great. Okay, so this has been a great interview. We are wrapping up here. We do ask a question. We ask this question to all of our guests, and I'm just curious, especially what you're going to say about this, but do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? Can they be, can you learn to be an entrepreneur or is it kind of innate and inside you to begin with? Um, 
well, two of my parents, even though they're nurses, are actually entrepreneurs. They started a cafe in the Philippines, so like a computer cafe. <laughs> oh, cool! Anymore. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome though. Days, like going to a retail store and you just sit down and use the computer that everybody was used before. Good yeah. times. Sorry, it is. Um, I like sorry. it. Yeah. So I would say I definitely have parents who are very entrepreneurial, and I think that definitely pushed it. Do I think they're bored or they just, you know, that's a very interesting question. I don't, I think it's just experiences that ultimately do it. You know, I don't know if I'm answering the question by side. You know, you can answer, you can answer it however you want. (laughs) Well, I would just say, I would just say, I would just say, um, it's more of like a nature thing. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. I I like it. Sometimes people, if you overthink it too much and you're like, yeah, because you're entrepreneurial and they're entrepreneurial, like you should be entrepreneurial. I feel like that pushes out people sometimes. Mm, or, good like, point. As I mentioned before, like sometimes we all have to experience something painful or something like a problem in order to actually become an entrepreneur. And that's where we start to think about solving problems. How can yeah. you solve problems if you just, you just, you just, you were just made, like you just, you were just bored. Like it's true. Yeah, I don't think there's any problems for you to solve yet. <laughs> yeah, so that's why. Love it. Well, I think that was a great answer. Stefano, it's been incredible to have you on. You are amazing. Where can people find you? Kayla, I feel like you know where people <laughs> uh, no, This is true. Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I think if there's anybody who wants to reach yes, out to education, I'm active on LinkedIn. I am very active on our on my Instagram as well as on our Instagram. Um, and if there's any way to work together, I'm open to it. Look him up. But Maybe I, he'll do a TikTok video with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I almost got contracted to fly out to a conference for a TikTok video just so I could do a TikTok video. You're like, this is wow. my new life. This is my new life. <laughs> I got to awesome. follow you on TikTok. Yeah, honestly. I have one last question for you guys. I know you have to go. Is that okay if I ask this question? Sure. Go for it. What is something you've learned about yourself for this past year? I like it. AJ? <laughs> That's a great question. I think uh, I think I learned that I, I'm moving back to the East Coast, which I guess I'm publicly coming out on this now. And I I guess I learned that like attached to this identity that I'm like this West Coast guy and I'm a California guy because I've lived there for the last seven years. And that I just realized that no, like I'm not necessarily that. And nothing's permanent and I can still come to the East coast and live here and be with my family and still enjoy life. But I'll, I'll let you know after the winter, if I still feel <laughs> that way, <laughs> um, but I think that was a big learning experience. Oh, I want to say one more thing. Actually, it's probably better is I learned that just because you get a job, it doesn't mean you fail as an entrepreneur. Good one. And sometimes a job can give you the stability to kind of grow your business. So I think that was a big learning experience. Love it. Good answer. What about you, Caitlin? I learned that such a good question. This like makes you reflect. You're like, I know that's why I asked. <laughs> I asked that question on my every Friday meeting, like end of every Friday meeting. Oh my God, I love it. Similar to AJ. So I'm actually moving for a year to Arizona to pursue a pilot's license. So I've learned that nothing is for sure in life either. And change is fun and exciting. So I'm excited about it. and. It's like a totally unexpected twist. So learned a lot about being able to do that. Thanks for asking. Yeah, anytime. 
so fun. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was so much fun. He's fun. He's a great person. I see why like, you know, he's such a good business leader because he he's so charismatic. Number mm-hmm. one, he also just like knows what he's doing. I mean, for like, he's, he's so young and like large and in charge, you know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. He just owns it and he's awesome. Yeah, absolutely he's amazing. I was in our lives. We really do. We really do. Well, really glad you all were here for that one because it was it was a great one and we're excited for our next episode. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye, Caitlin. Thanks for listening. Bye, AJ. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.